Series 4 was recorded in autumn 2019. The following content may contain strong language. Welcome back to the fourth series of the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights podcast with me, Simon Stevens. Protest and controversy that surrounded the 2004 production of Gapreet Corbati's play Besti Dishonor at the Birmingham Rep Theatre had several wounding consequences. It kindled an anger and confusion around, towards, and from the significant Sikh community in that city. It left that theatre looking embarrassed by the haste and clumsiness with which it had handled the play and then decided to close it early. It led to threats of violence against Corbati and her family. It has also distracted many people, I think, from the fierce energy, honesty and clarity of her plays. Born in Watford, Corbati engaged in a theatre education at the Writers' Group of the Birmingham Rep in the end of the 90s. At the same time as starting work writing for television and radio, she wrote her first stage play, Basharam, Shameless. It broke box office records at the Soho Theatre and Birmingham Rep when it played there in 2001. She followed Basharam with Besti three years later, a poised and unflinching consideration of the hypocrisies that lie underneath a local Sikh community. The play culminates in an unsettling dramatisation of a rape on the grounds of a Sikh Gurdwara. This dramatic gesture was perceived as sacrilegious by many in the local Sikh community and led to protests outside the theatre. As the protests became increasingly angry and violent, the rep decided to close the play and Kobati was advised by the police to go into hiding. Besti is an honest, compassionate play that won the 2005 Susan Smith Blackburn Award and has been translated into French and Italian and enjoyed international success. But Hood, Beyond Belief, staged at Coventry Belgrade and Soho Theatre in 2010, is an attempt to dramatise the issues that underpinned that controversy. Corbati made her Royal Court debut in 2014 with the beautiful Kandan family. Elephant opened at the Birmingham Rep in 2017. She has continued to write for screen and radio in the decades of her career. She's written for EastEnders and The Archers alike, as well as making successful and warmly received single dramas for BBC and Channel 4. As we speak, she's in the first week of rehearsal for her newest play, A Kind of People, which opens in December of this year, 2019. It'll be directed by Michael Buffon. She's spoken about an early admiration for the passion and fury of Sean O'Casey and Federico Garcia Lorca, a writer who she claims she is certain to be Punjabi. She shares with those writers a forensic honesty, her insistent dissection of gender politics and the myths that ultimately sustain and paralyse families alike evokes, to my mind, Henrik Ibsen. Like those in Ibsen's world, her characters are defined by the lies that they tell and the stories they believe. She writes with elegance and force about those moments when the lies are revealed and the stories begin to crumble. Gapreet Corbati, welcome to the Royal Court. Thank you, Simon Stevens. That's absolutely my pleasure. He, um, I normally ask the same first question, but I ask a different one for you just to kick off. Is how are rehearsals going? First week of rehearsals. Oh, it is <laughs> just, um, it's just a joy to be here mm. in, you know, the greatest theatre in the world, in my view. Right. Um, with a beautiful cast. And yeah. there's just, it's just that 
lovely feeling of um, joy in the rehearsal room. Yeah. There's a real spirit of generosity, but also of rigour. Yeah. Interrogation. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's a complicated piece. It's about race, it's about class, it's mm. about multiculturalism. Mm. Um, it, it's just, you know, it's that moment where, you know, a play starts in your head, in your creative universe. Yeah. And now you're letting go yeah. of it. You know, as I was saying to you before, you know, we're not novelists. Yeah. We're playwrights. You know, the thing that we write has to be made, it has to be designed and directed and performed and acted. So this is that that moment of collaboration, you know. And that sharing can be that exposing sharing. as well as 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 well as exciting. Yeah. You know, it's kind of I'm I'm okay with the exposing, I think. As as time's gone on, I yeah. feel like I wanna know, I wanna share, I wanna listen, I wanna hear what doesn't work. I think maybe earlier on in my career I felt more anxious about that um when i uh i always think the first week of rehearsals i'm much less nervous yeah. than the first time i hear the play if it's like a workshop situation or a reading situation because yeah. once you've got a play in rehearsal they've made the decision it's going so to be on it's going to be on yeah. <laughs> they're not going yeah. to change you know yeah. there's the kind of life yeah. and it's quite freeing it's quite fun that, yeah that way. and i i you know i enjoy it i enjoy somebody saying well what about that bit and yeah. does that sound right yeah. and does that you know yeah. I kind of I want to know I, I, I want to hear you know yeah. I, I'm not um I never studied this you know I, I don't really know mm. um yeah. so I'm interested yeah. yeah um and I'm interested what what people feel in the read-through yeah, you know of uh, yeah. all of that is, yeah. is 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 kind of it's got it it's becoming the thing isn't it that it's not you know it's it's my play but it's their production yeah, and exactly. just kind of letting them have ownership. So it is for me a, a, a the beginning of that letting go. Yeah. The question I normally ask, mm -hmm. uh, I'll ask you as your second question, um, which is when was the first time you went to the theatre? Well, it was probably with my primary school. Right. To see like a Christmas show. Yeah, do you at remember it? Watford Palace Theatre. I do. It was, it was something about space, um, cool. and it was quite um, abstract. I think it was quite a brave. It wasn't it's like not a traditional. Pantomime. No, it wasn't a pantomime. I quite like the idea of a Christmas show and yeah. Christmas show that's an abstraction of about, outer space. About outer space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's festive. Absolutely, and. Um, Although Do you I'm... know what? what? I don't really remember what it was, but I remember the thrill of going yeah. and the thrill of sitting in the seats yeah. and all that that whole ritual around mm. um, waiting for the curtain. And I'd been to the cinema before because, um, you know, Indian films and Indian cinemas were a big part of my childhood. Right. Um, but I'd never been to the theatre. Yeah. And the theatre, you know, even a pantomime is something that my family would never yeah. even contemplate experiencing. So do you remember how old you were approximately? Probably about eight, nine. Right. right. I always think the things that we first are excited by in the theatre are the things mm. that continue to excite us throughout our lives. 
And that moment of waiting for the show to start. Yeah, that moment of waiting. The moment of not knowing, yeah. you know, the, the, the fact that it... And also I remember looking and thinking, God, that those people are just live. You know, you can't, they're just, they're real. They're yeah. real, like I'm real here sitting watching them. Yeah. And there is something, there was something quite vulnerable yeah. about that, but quite yeah. thrilling yeah. and quite courageous yes. as well, yeah. I suppose, yeah. you know, looking, looking back. But I think, I mean, there's another way in which I can answer that question, yeah. which is, I suppose, that I feel... I feel like I was born into theatre, although <laughs> nobody in my family ever had anything to do with, with you know, the world of theatre because, you know, I, I always say this, I come from a family that makes the Borgers look like the Waltons, you know. It was like really, you know, when I was born, yeah. um, I have one older sister who's ten years older than me. <laughs> but when I was born... My father wanted me to be a male child. He was expecting a son. And uh, after I was born, he decided to go back to India and find another bride, which he did. And he found a girl who was two years older than my sister, brought her back <laughs> and uh, divorced my mother married this woman and we all lived together in the same home and so um, including your 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 mother yeah my mother became like the sort of housekeeper she brought up the children so we you know it was <laughs> that had happened when I was born, you know, that was the kind of... I, my birth was the inciting incident. <laughs> you know, of the drama of Of the drama family. of that. So uh, it was quite complicated, you know, it was quite complicated. And I grew up, I think, you know, it was, it was also quite traumatic and, you know, lots of other things happened. I saw mm. a lot, you know, before I was like five years old. Yeah. And so I think what I'm trying to get at is that I was always trying to make sense of what was around me somehow. I was trying to make sense because nobody ever said, this is what happened. This this is who that woman... I had to work out, you know... Figure out the narrative. Figure out, figure out the story for myself. Yeah. You know, because they, they didn't want to... My mum didn't want to burden me with it. Right. With the fact that, you know, I was a girl. Although my aunts always used to tell this, tell this story. Oh, you know... When you were born, we all cried, you know, because <laughs> because we knew that you thought what your father would do, and he'd make your mum's life really difficult. And so, I think what I'm trying to say is that I was sort of born into a into a dra into a living yeah. Ibsen play, <laughs> you know, without meaning yeah. to. Yeah. Um, and so, going to see the space show. <laughs> <laughs> What you know was sort of something else. Yeah. Did you, uh, in your attempt to make sense of the narrative of your family or make sense of the story or just figure out what on earth was going on, were you a kid who found help in that process of making sense in reading or acting or imagination or Absolutely. imaginary world? All of those things. What All were you of those doing? things. Just, well, just 
I was I was watching black and white movies, um, watching forty you know films from the forties. Right. Um, in early, was, in like kind of like preteen childhood. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we had no rules, so right. I would watch like adult stuff. Right. And, you know, there were absolutely no. I had no bedtime or anything like that. Right. Um, and I was, you know, reading um, yeah. probably stuff like Enid Blyton yeah. and um, just you know voraciously reading. Yeah. Um, my father actually used to do this thing. Where he, um, they were this thing called words. <laughs> Sounds so weird, but he would um, make give me a page of A4 paper. Yeah. And I had Roger's Thesaurus, and I had to fill my page, to write four columns on my A4 paper, and find a word from the Thesaurus, yeah. and fill four columns and know what every single word meant. And he would once I had filled the paper, he would sign his name that I'd that I'd done a paper, and I had files of these uh, big folders, fat folders of these words, and um, and so I was you know sort of forced into um, interest around language yeah, and, and words and language. fascination around yeah. all of that. Um, was he where was he born? He was born in the Punjab. Was uh, was he raised speaking English? Was your mother raised speaking English? No, was English no, the second no, language? No. For yeah, them? yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. 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 And did they speak uh, Punjabi in the yeah. household as well? Yeah, yeah. So you were raised bilingual. Yes. So the fascination with language is rich, even even without that kind yeah. of curiously entertaining. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. That's a very nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, somebody, it's really interesting, though, how people respond to that because, mm. you know, some people just say, oh, my God, that's awful. That's a terrible thing to do. And I met a director once who just said, what great training for a writer. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of both as well, mm. right? Mm. It is kind of like, <laughs> it's, it's slightly austere. Yes. <laughs> but also to, to, to develop that fascination with the potency of language. Yes, and the English language as right. well. Did he, make, he didn't make you do it with, with Punjabi no, as well? No, right. not at all, not right. at all. Absolutely right. kind of um, holding up, the, you know, the English language, yeah. you know. The, that sort of um, uh, fetishisation almost of England and education right. and words and literature and language that I think came from empire, really. And was there a contrast between the English of your father's imagination and the English of Watford and your school in Watford? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he, he you know, spoke okay English my mum spoke very little English because right. he was working and yeah. you know I mean he, he worked on the railways yeah. but um you know he, he he could get by pretty well mm. um but yeah I mean at school with friends and teachers it was you know he would use words like kerfuffle <laughs> and it's kind of quite Old-fashioned words, yeah, you know, yeah, and 
don't know. I don't, don't know if any of this is, it, is relevant, is it, actually. I, is but... it, I, 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 it's relevant to what? It's fantastic. Um, is kerfuffle <laughs> not a word that's often used in Watford schools? <laughs> he, you know, he would use it. it quite, right. It, yeah. 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 Did you enjoy school? Yeah, I loved school. Yeah. I loved school. And did school you write at refuge. school as well? Yeah. A refuge. Yeah. 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 It was like, yeah, it was fun and, mm. and yeah, it was safe and it was yeah. Yeah. free and you could yeah. run around. And yeah. And, high, and secondary school, high school as well. Yeah. 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 The, um, did you continue to write throughout your adolescence? Um, I had a um, couple of... English teachers yeah. who were really um, lovely to me and mm. really encouraging of me and mm. said some really kind things about my writing and yeah. you know yeah um, yeah did you act as well because I said when I when yeah. I kind of listed all these things you what what kind of well, stuff were you acting boys in? school at um, I went to a girls school but the boys school had a theatre. Um, and which was amazing. Yeah. So I, you know, acted a little bit in those things. And again, it was just the thrill, the fun, and also the. Um, I think I was quite a sort of. I mean, my my father went on to have three other children, right. but they were much younger than me. Right. And my and sister, was sister was ten years, 10 years older. Than older me. Yeah. So as a child, I spent a lot of time on my own. Right. And um, what I liked about coming you know doing those shows was just a, a, a feeling of family a feeling of togetherness a feeling of camaraderie yeah, yeah sort of shared yes. something that was very shared yeah. Um, yeah I got those in school plays as well mm. not necessarily from being uh and not necessarily uh, a kind of a, a sense of family in 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 contrast to my own family mm. but from the rest of the school yeah. So I kind of had a slightly miserable time at school, but the school plays was the one time where it felt as though everybody was working together for a shared objective in yeah. a way that was really mutually supportive yeah. rather than kind of like violent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also all the different elements, you know, the, the people who did the lights and the yeah. people who did the makeup. And yeah. It just was like a real coming together of people with different talents and skills. Mm. And if you took one element out, it wouldn't be the same. The essential collaboration, which you yeah. find in this week. Yeah. Yeah. When did you know you wanted to be a writer as distinct from an actor or any of those other elements within the theatre? I remember saying to my father, I would love to be an actor when I was about six or seven. Mm -hmm. I want to be an actress. Mm -hmm. And he just said... You will never be. You will. That will never. You will never be an actor. That that is like they won't. They they won't let you be an actor. What you have point to was he be, making? He was making. A, was that a point about the difficulties of arts? I suppose right. being in the arts, and right, also okay. I think um, it not being a particularly noble right. thing to do. Um, and so, although my my passions at at school were very much the arts. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I did science A levels. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did you? And so um, when I went to university, I did chemistry. Right. Uh, but I, I had um, 
a accident in a laboratory and um, I sort of thought to myself, I don't think I can do this. Oh, God. So I should, well, it wasn't a bad accident. Right. It was just like I burnt something. Right, right, right. And, uh, yeah. you know, somebody blew a whistle and said, you must not burn ethanol like that. And I just thought, oh, wow. it was like a moment in a movie where you just go, I'm in this the wrong place. So I'm what did doing you do? the wrong thing. What did you do? Well, I had a French A-level, so yeah. I, sw- I changed to do modern languages. Okay. My father didn't speak to me for about three years because... I'd, you know, chosen to do something else. And then, to be completely honest with you, when I left university, I had um, some other difficulties in my life. Mm. And um, so, you know, people around me were kind of getting jobs and doing things. Mm. And I was working in a laundry Mm. and I was waitressing and I wasn't really, you know, I just had some... Yeah. personal difficulties yeah. and so I drifted for yeah. about 10 years yeah just doing various jobs um and then I met I met some people mm. in kind of the Asian acting arts world yeah and someone said oh, I was just in a club actually mm. and a woman just said oh do you want to be in a play with me <laughs> and I said yeah alright that's brilliant and so we did a show at the Oval House <laughs> um, and it was brilliant and she, you know were you living was, in London at the time yeah so you're clubbing in London <laughs> yeah and um, and I did some writing for my character right yeah. It was a play um, by Parmin de Secon called Not Just an Asian Babe. Okay. And it was a true story yeah. of two Asian strippers who okay. um, performed for groups of Asian men. Although it was very kind of hush-hush. Mm. But, but they would be um, bought and uh, they would perform at parties. And it was all very kind of not spoken about. And so I played one of them and she played the other one and it was about their relationship. Right. And so um, I just had this, you know, I, I, I did some writing and, um, and then I just, you know, met some other people and I did another show and then I met a director and she said, you know, you're writing, you should, you should send it to um, the Birmingham Rep because I'm going there to be an associate director and they're running an attachment scheme. And so I did. This was in the late 90s? Late 90s, yeah. yeah. And what happened after you sent them the, the writer that you did? Oh, they um, invited me to come in and just wow. talk to them. And, and then they said, you've got a place on our scheme. So Wow. You were living in London? I was living in London, yeah. Did you move to Birmingham? No, no. You, you it was for anyone. The... I mean, I think Abby Morgan did it. Yeah. I remember Abby, Abby right. Morgan doing yeah. it. Uh, our writer called Ray Grewal. Yeah. Nick Stafford. Nick, so, oh, great. You know, so yeah. there were... So London-based writers who would go up yeah. and down on the on the train or something. Well, yeah, it was just um, it was like a you know like a monthly group. Right. You know, I, right. they they didn't do it at the same time as me, but I think right. they all had done it. And what did you what what kind of things were you doing? Oh, you were um, developing your you had you know had your idea yeah. for your play yeah. and developing it, um, writing 
writing it, going to see shows there. At the rep? Yeah. Having, um, and going to see shows in London and um, uh, having workshops with writers. The thing I loved the most, actually, was they would send you plays to To read. read. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I just loved, just, I was really happy just on my own just reading plays. I mean, I remember reading um, The Glass Menagerie at school and thinking, I, I don't ever want to see this right. because it's in my head. Yeah. <laughs> because oh. um, it, I just want to preserve that. Oh, wow. Um, that. That's rather beautiful, I think, isn't it? I quite the, the cherishing that the preserving yeah. the imagined the imagined experience yes, of reading of yeah. reading a play. Yeah. I know, which doesn't really exist unless it's made. I know that yeah. sounds a yeah. bit mad, but I and I, me- I remember he sent me, you know, Carol Churchill play. Right. He sent me who was the Ben te- Payne? Who Ben right, Payne? Right, was the drum was the it was the dramaturg and running the group. There. Yeah, um, and Lorca plays. Mm. Um, uh, Juno and the Paycock, yeah, Sean O'Casey, O'Casey. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just you know different things. I can't remember all of them, but it was just I really treasured that time yeah. when it was just me and. Where were you? Where were reading. you living? Where were you reading these plays? Where would you be? I was living in a hostel actually right. at that time right. in North London, and you had the space to be able to read yeah, them in the hostel. I just yeah. had a room. So again, you're using kind of literature. I mean, not necessarily yeah. that we all do. It's a kind of escape yeah. in a way, isn't it? You're yeah. going in. You're going from the hostel into the worlds of Ocasey yeah. and the worlds of Lorca and the worlds of Tennessee Williams. Yeah. And the, uh, I love what you said. I read somewhere that you talked about. Uh, I quoted it in the introduction about Lorca being you being certain that he was Punjabi. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he totally was. What do you mean by <laughs> well, that? Well, just because you know. The, the well, first of all, that part of Spain feels like the Punjab to right. me, right? Because for me, the characters in the plays mm. and the territory that he is interested in ex- in exploring is about the same rural people, mm. people who work for the land, mm. um, people who understand the land, who go back generations, mm. and. In my experience, though, there is an umbilical link between those people and the land that they live on and the land that they work, and that that's it's, it, it's almost a spiritual connection. But also the way those families operate, the way um, women are used as currency in those families, how those families survive, yeah. and they, you know, they are extended families. You also have. The Catholicism in the south of Spain, mm. and you have the power of religion in um, in the Punjab, mm. and the you know the the religion and the culture are kind of so intertwined, yeah. and so and they, they they sort of do this dance, and they become this very powerful thing. Yeah. You know, when you think about um, I don't know. Blood Wedding or the House of Bernardo Alba, mm-hmm. um, just that trying to find freedom within that tyranny, 
you know, trying to be an individual when the onus is always on the collective and the, yeah. the shared culture yeah. and like doing this thing together. So that, I suppose, chimed with me and continues to chime with me. And at the same time as reading, yeah, you were writing, yeah. And it was, am I right that it was there um, that you wrote uh, better? Yes, yeah. Do you what do you remember about the process of writing it? Do you remember how you wrote it? Um, I think I just wrote it the way I I write now. To be honest, I think I I know a lot more about. I know a bit more about structure and craft yep. than I than I knew back then. Mm. Not not much more, to be completely frank. But I think I just started with characters who interested me, right. and I started with monologues. Actually, okay. I remember starting just to think of these these characters and started with monologues and then that evolved into scenes and that yeah. and I think I was really guided you know by the rep I was guided yeah. like with Ben you know that ben. that was um, who else was at the rep at the time who was uh, artistic director do you remember Bill Alexander right great and Tony was Clark was right. there also brilliant um, so yeah it was a while a long while ago yeah but I would say Ben was my main yeah Port of call and yeah. the main sort of person, yeah. um, and I think those relationships are so important. You know, now what I under, what I understand of, um, you know, playwriting yeah. those connections, that yeah. trust, those people who kind of, you know, gently guide you, gently lead you along, yeah. support you, yeah. uh, ask you questions probe, um, interrogate, but, you know, in, you know, all the while it coming from you, all the while it, it, it coming from you. And is that what Ben did with you? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's, I don't know if Ben's still working, is he? I, th he, he, I think he works for the Ministry of Stories, or he set up right. the Ministry of, which is about encouraging School, primary school children yeah. to write. And do you are you still? Uh, would you still show him drafts of plays? Are you still got now? Working? Yeah. No, probably right. not. Right. No, no. Have the mentors that I had when I was at the start of my working life remained fundamental? To oh, me. that's amazing. Graham Wybrow here. Yeah. Uh, and Sarah Frankham, who yeah. is now directing, has just directed my play. Yeah. She's still somebody who, you know, they they give us plays. They give us, they illuminate things about our assumptions that we're yeah. not aware of ourselves. Yeah. They're really fundamental. Yeah. Really fundamental. So you wrote the play. Yes. And they bloody did it. They did it. Yeah. It was Birmingham Rep, wasn't it? It was yeah. Birmingham and Soho, yeah. But it opened yeah. at Soho. Yeah. And then it went to What Birmingham. was that like? Oh, it was thrilling. It was <laughs> really... Had you had anything like it before? No. So what you didn't, no. you not even no fringe theatre, no, no student theatre, no nothing ever. ever. Right just, into a best-selling show. Just the Oval show. House. Just the Oval House. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yeah. just an Asian Bay. Yeah. Um, which was brilliant. Yeah. Actually. But you were perform. Were you, did you perform in that no, show? No, 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 I didn't. Um, yeah, it was unbelievable. It was just thrilling. It, mm. it was, you know, and I'd. Because I'd written the play, I'd got an agent, mm. and I'd 
got a job on a radio show and I'd got onto. Had you? What was the job on the radio show? Because you've written a, a play. Yeah, it was oh. a sh- it was a it was a radio show called Westway. It was set in a GP surgery right in um, West London. Yeah, and uh, actually, when I was doing it, um, it, w- it was myself, Roy Williams, um, Sarah Phelps, right, um, and Sebastian Baskiewicz. Right. So there was some really interesting and lots of uh, Mike, Radio Wal- Mike Walker Radio F- yeah. it was World Service World Service so um, so how many episodes are you doing oh I probably I did it for a couple of years great um, and I learnt a lot and I loved being in a team it was great you know yeah. having colleagues so um, and also I was earning money <laughs> I got a yeah. job I had, I had some you know I was earning money from writing which yeah. was amazing yeah um, and I got um, able to move to, out of the hostel. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a flat. Well, yeah. I was I got a flat through the hostel, but I yeah. was able to, um, you know, have money. Brilliant. And not be signing on and yeah. doing cash in hand jobs and you know all and what, that kind of what stuff. What did you learn? Not, ab- not be on housing benefit. Yeah. Um, and uh, and but the show was a success. Yeah. It kind of broke these box office records. Yeah. Uh, was the and the success itself, regardless of the consequences of that success, that must have been thrilling as well. And it's to have an audience go in and, and yeah, I mean it. I think the most thrilling thing was actually just sitting in the audience yeah. and everyone laughing mm-hmm. at certain points, mm-hmm. everyone gasping, just everybody going on this experience you know having this kind of communal yeah thing together yeah. was um was the best thing and it was an incredible feeling did your family see it no and was that problematic for you was that you reconciled with that it was just a completely different part different of my part life, of life yeah. yeah yeah the um what did you learn f- about dramatic writing from writing for radio what did I learn do you know what I'd love to sort of give you five bullet points um, but I think what I've learned about all writing Mm. from the things that I've done for me another writer might have a different set of experiences and things they've learned is that it's always about going for the truth of that moment right you know whether it's you know the rape scene in Birgdi or whether it's you know in Westway somebody coming into the GP surgery and trying to make an appointment but yeah. not being able to make an appointment yeah. it's just everything trying to find the truth in every single moment of that drama and pushing yourself to be honest and I think with the radio show I it was it was not my original thing so yeah. I had to my job was to serve that show but through my voice yeah that's why yeah you know they chose the writers they chose because they wanted that, voices yeah um yeah. uh so yeah I think that that was the thing and also just I learned 
how to write for radio, you know, what to kind of, what's different about it yeah. and and what sound does yeah. and um, what you don't need to do. Great. Great. You don't need to do what, yeah. what, what, you know, trust what you don't need to, um, what you don't need to tell, um, what you, what you can hear. And there's something also about, you know, people listen to radio in a very, they often, they often have the radio on while they're doing something else. Okay. So what is going to grab people's attention? Why are they listening? Yeah. You know, when they're kind of, you know, going upstairs or yeah. doing the ironing, what's yeah. going to make them carry on listening? And it's just the same as anything, you know, um, something compelling, mm. Um, mm. Uh, character, um yeah. Something that you want to know. Yeah. The, um, I mean, it goes back in a way to the the space show. You know what's going to happen. That that feeling. That sense of magic and anticipation. Yeah. Tell me about the writing of Bejti. The writing of Bejti. Yeah. So um, they uh, the theatre commissioned me mm-hmm. again to write uh, another play. Yeah. And um, they said, what, what would you like to write about? Um, and at that time, I was a carer as mm-hmm. well for my mum, right. part-time. She yeah. was kind of de- debilitated, so I, with my sister, would look after her at half the week. And yeah. uh, so I was spending a lot of time with her and I was always really interested in the Gurdwara mm. which is the Sikh temple yeah. but it's more than just a religious space it's a community space yeah. and within that space there are people who just come to hang out mm. there is an office there is yeah. an eating area there is a worship area yeah. there might be a library there might be it's just such a theatrical space we've got one on our street have you yeah so where do you live in Bow. oh wow yeah have you been yeah just been inside one time yeah it was i've, I've thought it was beautiful yeah i thought it was re- and they have great uh, parties on our street yeah and I when, bet they when do. there's a wedding parking must be a nightmare the parking is yeah. a total nightmare yeah. but the weddings are great yeah. Yeah. The groom's on horseback yeah. <laughs> and the drums. It's absolutely yeah. thrilling. Sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, that's all right. Um, so this is what you were looking at, or one of the things you... Well, it, in a way, it was sort of looking at what you've just said because yeah. that's what people perceive. Right. You know, they perceive yeah. the kind of um, the joy, the... Um, the kind of I remember when they did in the eighties the march for jobs mm-hmm. from you know they 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 kind of re redid the Jaro march yeah and um, for the miners I think that's right and they yeah. would often stop at gurdwaras because wow. if you go to a gurdwara you people you will be fed yeah for nothing yeah and nobody will ever turn you away and there is always somebody in the kitchen making food and i i think i was also interested in um that um idea of what a gurdwara is mm-hmm. 
and then the reality of how people actually are and putting that into a piece of drama and exploding it. Yeah. It's a fascination in all of the plays of yours that I know is the the stories that people tell themselves and the the front they present to the world. Yeah. And then how we reconcile the truth of that. Yeah. Was it... um, uh, And... uh, Was it... a a difficult play to write. I mean, the the no. the, the, the the rape scene is is a difficult read. I mean, it's yeah. It was. Um, I wrote it really fast, right? And they programmed it really, really quickly, right? Um, and it's interesting that you say that because on the first day of rehearsals, so there had been a lot of noise about, you know, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bit uncomfortable and we don't know how this is going to be perceived. Mm. But on the first day of rehearsals, at the, after the read-through, the, the actress who plays Min, who is the main character who is assaulted, mm. there is a scene where she is beaten by the other women mm. in the Gurdwara kitchen. And I have to say, hearing it, I thought to myself, God, that is rough. That yeah. is really rough. Yeah. That is hard. And she came up to me afterwards and she said, Capri, that is the scene that people are going to struggle with right. because it is brutal. Yes. Simon, to this day, nobody's ever mentioned that scene. The, the issues that they had with the play yeah. were all about the setting. They were all about, you know, the paraphernalia, the religious setting, the fact that you chose to put it in a in a temple, and the sense that you have defiled our, you have right. defiled something, yeah. and also you are of us, so yeah. you know that, but you've chosen to do that. So it was so so nobody ever actually said, you know, oh my god, you know, this woman gets raped and beaten and all this stuff it was it was the fact that you chose to do it in this setting I mean how long into the run was it clear that things were going to be really problematic it was clear before before rehearsals yeah yeah um and yeah I mean it's it's quite a long story which I can tell you some of the kind of edited highlights of if mm. if that's of interest mm. um i mean there was this you know dialogue and pushing and pulling and they had another read through for some members of the Sikh community at the end of the first week mm. and at the end of that one of the guys there's just some some young guys who came along they said this is a brilliant play it is a brilliant piece mm. we would like you know we, we we need to hear this in our community yeah um but why have you set it in a gurdwara you can't set it in a gurdwara you shouldn't set it in a gurdwara just put it in a community center and everything will be fine just put it in a community center mm. and that argument kept coming back, put it in a community centre. And mm. uh, I remember further on into the run when there had been demonstrations and, there ha- you know, the protests had got bigger and bigger. I mean, I don't know if you know 
Centenary Square and where the Birmingham rep is. I don't. I I mean, it's. I I know where Birmingham rep is, but I can't visualise it in my head. It's Kremlin esque. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, right. And it was packed. It was packed with protesters. Yes. The theatre hired. That is a big. I'm visualising it now, and that is an enormous square. The the theatre hired a private security firm. So, you know, when you went into the theatre, I mean, it, it was. Like a movie, you know, it was like a movie. It was like being in a movie. Like, is this really happening? But I remember because um, I got, you know, I got to know them all. <laughs> I got to know the some, of, yeah, yeah, or some of them. Yeah. And um, there was an older man. I'm not going to say his name, mm. but he, you know, one day came up to me and he said, "Look, you know, when I see your name." all around the theatre, you know, such a Sikh name, you know, Gurpreet Gorbati, you know, I see your name. I feel so proud, you know. Um, And I've seen your name on EastEnders as well, you know, and I feel so proud. And he said to me, but why do you have to set it in a Gurdwara? Mm. You know, again, it came back, Mm. just set it in a community centre. And I said, uncle, you know, because by this time I was calling him uncle, I said, uncle, you know, as strongly as you feel that I shouldn't is as strongly as I feel that I should. And that's all right, you know? It's all right for you to feel that and it's all right for me to feel this, you know? Mm. Um, Because for me, it would have... The idea of changing it would be so compromised. It wasn't even... It, 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 I could never do that. Mm. I would rather kill it and destroy it and for it never to exist than for me to make that change to it. Um, and then uh, the show opened and, you know, there was a the Birmingham Re- read a, um, a statement from the Sikh community saying we do not um, agree with this. We think this is, you know, saying that, you know, this does not reflect the lived experience of British Sikhs or what have mm-hmm. you. Um, and then, and then it, you know, there was a, it was definitely on for a few days and things were okay. And then press night came and it was okay. Mm. And then we sort of thought that everything had died down. Yeah. Um, and then it was a Thursday and I got a message actually from Ben saying, the police are saying that you need to leave Birmingham. And you need to get out of this city. And I remember driving out of Birmingham that night. And then on the Saturday, um, so I wasn't there when the, you know, they, some of the protesters broke into the theatre, got onto the stage. They, it was Christmas, so they were having their panto as well. So the whole theatre had to be evacuated. One of our actresses was pregnant. She was locked in the dressing room. You know, it was really rough, really, really awful. And um, the Monday after that, the Monday morning, I got a call from the West Midlands police saying, you need to leave your home because there's been a threat to abduct you and murder you. And um, so I left I went to a friend's house um, and that afternoon I mean I you know the rep had been in contact with me and I'd seen it on the news you know it's it was on sky I'd seen it that they were having meetings and um, 
the police, you know, the rep said, the police said that they were not able to keep the building safe. So they were, were they decided to withdraw the show. And I honestly, my heart just really broke that day. It was really heartbreaking. It must have been a hard thing to carry on writing. Did I want to carry on writing? It made me want to write even more. Right. It, it went the opposite way, I think. Um, mm. And actually, at the time, I think... It's like any crisis, I think. You know, we are... And it, we are resilient as human beings, I think. And for me, it was actually, you know, like when someone dies, you have to plan a funeral yeah. and you have to kind of, you, you go into, you know, you get into yeah. a certain, Pragmatic, don't you? Yeah, completely. And, um, and so for me, I was like, yeah. have my police officers who would ring me up, you know. <laughs> I mean, they were hilarious. They were out of central casting. You could not have cast Like Brummy cops. <laughs> well, no, it, this was in London. In London, right, okay, Russ yeah. Russ and Vince. <laughs> no, Russ and Harry. Russ and, Russ Harry, and Harry. Sorry. All um, right, Capri. <laughs> well, you say that. I, right. I, I didn't do any press, mm. but I did write a statement for The Guardian, and um, mm. the day that it came out, Russ phoned me. And he said, um, I've done something for you today that I've never done before in my life. I was like, what have you done? He said, I bought The Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> but he would also say things like, I think the first time I met him, he said, oh, my God, if that many people hated me, I, I think I'd commit suicide. <laughs> So it was interesting, um, but what, I'm, what what the reason I was saying about like the funeral and all of that is yeah. because it's afterwards, isn't it? That's when it. That's, that's when right. you're crushed. That's right. And for me, it was when I came back home, and they'd put CCTV outside my flat and bars outside my window. Just that kind of really knowing and understanding that life had changed. Yeah. You know, life was different yeah. and you'd been through this other thing. But I just wanted to say that mm. when we did Elephant last year, was it like two years ago yeah. at Birmingham, mm -hmm. um, which, was on at the, which was on in the door but also did a community tour, yeah. the last show got pulled because of an EDL march and it was just... I reacted yeah. just like I reacted just now yeah. because it just hit something. And it was it was meant to be in a... The, it was the last show and it was supposed to be in a pub in town and the EDL were coming, so they closed all the pubs. So it was not anything to do with the play, yeah. but it just felt like, are you joking me? You know, are you for fucking real? You know, yeah. this is like... You, can't, you know, it was just a real weird echo of what had happened before. It's the cultural refusal to allow people to tell a story. Yeah. Or to just allow... And also, I think, we just allow people to be in their city. Right. And it's like, who... Right. Because that was from the... That was like another police 
directive. It was about, um, you know, we've got to shut the city down. Yeah. So it wasn't just my play. It was lots of pubs, cafes, shops. So yeah. who runs our cities? Yeah. Who's allowed to yeah. be in our cities? Yeah. Did those experiences... Are you able to articulate the way in which that experience affected the process of your writing? You just wrote with more passion. I don't know if I wrote with more passion. I think it made me value. Right. Um, I mean, I've always valued what I do. You know, yeah. my mum worked in a factory. Yeah. So my, you know, I'm here, sat talking yeah. to you. Do you know what I mean? So um, I've always valued what I do, but yeah. I think it, in quite a pure way, yeah. it made me, um, it kind of made me want to fight for it <clears throat> and um, appreciate it. Yeah. And it, because I'd experienced the power of it. Yeah. And the danger of it. Yes. As well. Yes. And just to acknowledge that and um, recognize that. And, um, and I think going forward, it just. I don't take it for granted. You wrote about it. It's in Behood, right? Behood, yeah, yeah. yeah. To what extent is Behood a consideration of that time? Is oh, it's completely. Completely, yeah. yeah, yeah How yeah. was it to, to fictionalise it then? Um, yeah, it, it, it was interesting. Um... Just trying to recall it, really. Mm. It it feels like a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I remember when it was on. I was pregnant with my second child. Right. Right. And when I the felt. Hood was on. Yeah, yeah. And I felt quite different. Right. To how I'd felt maybe yeah. six years. Yeah. Previously. Yeah. Um. I think I think I sort of had to do it. Right. I had to sort of right. understand that experience through sometimes writing tell, a play. Yeah, some, that, sometimes that's what we tell yeah. stories for, right? Yeah. We to tell make stories sense. in order to make sense of yeah. things. Yeah. Which goes back to what you're talking yeah. about your family. Yeah. You know, when you're trying yeah. to make sense of what's going on in the family home, we invent yeah. stories to kind of like clarify and to, to understand processes. And at the same time, all this, you're writing for EastEnders and you're writing for The Archers. Um, or, or was it the same I, time? No, I wasn't. I, I was really just writing plays and I was writing right. television scripts. Yeah, the single dramas. Yeah, I was writing. Which, which did beautifully, right? Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Okay. I, 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 I I, more, say that. more beautifully than my single dramas <laughs> for TV, mate. They got made. <laughs> well, a, a, couple of, a couple got made. I wouldn't, right. you know, but... What did you learn from writing f either for soaps or single dramas for television? What did you learn about the process? Do you know what? I think you learn from the people you work with. Right. It slightly comes back to when you were talking about your mentors. Yeah. It's not because you can learn things from a book. I think it's right. the spirit with which people give you stuff. Yeah. And um, I think I learned about story um and i learned about um structure i learned mm. craft definitely and i learned sort of not to shortchange myself and not to short what do you mean? well just not to shortchange the characters not right. to kind of resort to things that 
that were comfortable that yeah. I could do, you know, mm-hmm. um, to sort of push myself yeah. a bit more. Um, and yeah. I think to navigate <laughs> the notes, navigate <laughs> the people, <laughs> navigate yeah. the kind of avalanches. Yeah. And I think I've always had um, quite a mixed economy you know, of work. I've written right. plays and yeah. radio and, and yeah. film and and soaps mm-hmm. and because I, I need to make a living as yeah, well. Of course. You yeah, know? of course. And yeah. if I do um, if I do some EastEnders or I do some Archers then I can write a play. Right. You know, it yeah. will enable me, it will yeah. free me. So I've never kind of done too much, you know, I've never kind of I've, I've kind of done a bit and then I've done my own thing because right. I think that's always where my heart is yeah. it's always about wanting to tell the stories that I want to tell yeah where do you write um it, I've got a study a little box room upstairs in your in house. house yeah what else is in there apart what have you got what have you got in there um computer do you write desk, on a computer yeah write on a, a desktop yeah desk books uh Probably what everyone else has got. Um, ornaments. Everybody's different. Everybody's okay. got that really different stuff. Okay, I've got um, pictures that my kids have drawn. Nice. Bits of old ornaments. Yeah. Um, is it a tidy Old room? photos. It is quite tidy. It's, it, well, I, it might not look tidy, but I know where kind of everything is. Yeah. And I've actually got a little shrine, <laughs> which is a sort of... Um, I've got some. I've got a picture of my mum who mm. died a few years ago, and I've just got a few precious things. You know, not not in a League of Gentlemen kind of way, but you know, just, just a few. That's what I was thinking. I, that's where I immediately. Some, I've went got to. some of the special stuff as well. You know, I've just got a few, a few little things that are, you know. And it's important precious. to have those things in your writing room. In your... Yeah, yeah, if you know, it's a luxury just to have a space. Sure. So yeah. you know, I want to make it. Yeah. As nice, well, not as nice, but just as right as yeah. I can, and it does feel like a a safe refuge. Do you have a typical writing day? Well, I've got two kids. Yeah. Um, and so I write while they're at school, really. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a lot of work on, and I love my work so yeah. I will often around eight o'clock start again go again yeah, yeah go again Can I and, and the it, kids are they, they 11 they, so the primary school one secondary one secondary once, yeah. um, primary yeah but um, I and I'll work at weekends I'll, I mean right. I kind of try and preserve the time with them mm. but work you know yeah. I will yeah. sacrifice other stuff yeah to kind of be around yeah. them you know? and, and, and they come and sit. I mean, my daughter will come and, you know, read bits with me and um, she'll go, Mum, that's, that's, that's really not very... Nothing's happening. What are you writing? You know, she'll, re- she'll do the voices with me and, um, you know... That's great. She's, how old is she? She's, she's 11. She's giving you notes already? She's giving me notes, oh, mate. Yeah. Have they been yeah. to see your work? They came... Uh, my daughter came to see Khandan. Right. Yeah. It's a beautiful play. Oh, thank you. What did she make of that? Um, she was about seven, I think, when she, she said, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I think that was her analysis. Yeah, it was all right. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and do you have a uh, like a process? Do you do? You, I mean, we talked a little bit because you with talk, a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're making a play, do you have a yeah. thing that you do? do you, are you a planner um, or are you well, preparer? Or? I'm adapting something at the. I'm adapting a novel at the moment. Right. Um, and I'm, but I'm also thinking about a new commission, which is kind of like a blank. Um, could you know? Could be anything. Um, and I think I just. I think I start with what what what's burning me. You know, what do I want to say? What mm-hmm. do I feel? Mm-hmm. I think it very much starts from from that, and then I think I start with character, and I really don't plan very much. Do you do do you write? Do you have exercises for characters or? Um, or I do a bit of automatic writing. Can you share your process of automatic writing? So I will just. This is what I learned. From like the and this is kind of yeah. learnt from back there. Yeah. It's where you just have to have your, so you have your character, or you could have anything, I mm. suppose, really, but you have to keep your pen on the paper for five minutes, right, and not take it off. Two yeah. minutes, five. It depends, yeah. and just whatever comes, mm-hmm. just Allowed. unedited. Yeah. And I really like uncensored, unedited. From your point of view or from the character's point of view? The, any, it could be anything. Yeah. It could be from the character. It might be some words that the character speaks. Right. It might be something you associate with the character. It might be yeah. anything at all. And, and how, how, will that inf- how will that make its way into scenes or into...? Um, I think it helps me know who the people are. Yeah. Who you know, and I, I, I kind of start with the people. Yeah. You know, who are they? Yeah. And then, how do they link together? Right. You know, I mean, I have many, many stories from my family. And are you my... still drawing from those stories? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they, you know, they, you know, I've got a very close family member who's currently, you know, looking at a hefty prison sentence I've got someone else oh, who's right. just had a suicide you know I mean they just won't stop you it's know it's a gift that keeps on giving it, it really is it really is it's um and behind that is it's not those things yeah. that's the sort of end point for sure but it's you know what how's that person arrived at that what's happened right and and there's that's the stuff it's that attempt know. to make sense of yeah things by telling stories yeah um, let's go back to where we started, which is with kind of people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is is this was a uh, this is your first because um, was this a commission for the royal court? No. It wasn't. No. <laughs> you, it I mean, a, tell us about the process it of was writing. A commission kind of for another place. Was it? Which yeah. fucker? <laughs> <laughs> is it the, it's the up other the road, fuckers? It's quite oh. big. <laughs> Don't get me started on those fuckers. <laughs> One day somebody's going to do a season of the play they've rejected and it's going to be the best fucking theatre season ever. <laughs> so what was the process of writing of it, writing for it? Um... <laughs> I'll take the hit for that one. <laughs> um... I think I wanted to look at community. Great. You know, yeah. as a parent, um, yeah. you know, being a parent changes your life. Has it changed your writing? Um, 
Um, I don't know if it's changed my writing. I think it's widened the scope of things that I, I'm interested in exploring. Yeah. Just for me personally. Yeah. Um, I wanted to. I just feel that people are struggling, and people are in crisis, yeah. and people are, are trying to do their best, but there are lots of forces that make life really hard for people mm. and so that's that's really where it started yeah oh, and and from from people that i i know just personally um i had read a couple of stories in the newspaper mm. about some extreme moments in families i don't want to give no, it okay. away yeah. um but that's really where it kind of started for yeah. me you know that feeling of it's really you know life is tough for people you know yeah. it's not fair yeah. there's this kind of sort of inherent injustice in how we're living now i think in england especially yeah I mean, it might be true throughout the world but i, yeah. I feel it very acutely in england yeah when i wrote the play which i've just opened the play like in manchester, Falls. Yeah, yeah, manchester yeah, yeah. which for me was an attempt Part of it was I went on a road trip throughout the north of England and my experience of that road trip and the research we did on Fatherland as well, which is right. another play which we made up there and then down here, was like amazing people. I met amazing people on both trips, mm. inspiring, kind people. And mm. I noticed that word in the title of the play, yeah. which might be an accident, yeah. but yeah, might yeah, not yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, being managed and run by cruel buffoons. Yeah. And I just thought the injustice of this country yeah. made of magnificent people yeah. being run by morons yeah. with a nasty agenda. Yeah. <laughs> and I think also, you know, that the the characters in this play are what, you know, a recent prime minister would have referred to as hardworking families. But they are struggling mm. to live. Mm. And mm. I feel that there are lots of people who are doing all the right things, all the things they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And life is still incredibly tough. Yeah. And we don't really hear their stories. Yeah. And um, so that was... And I wanted to look at community. And I yeah. wanted to look at um, fracture. Yeah. And how, just what kind of things um, impact on people and, and what makes it hard for people to be who they really are, what makes it hard for people to live and bring up their families and just provide for their kids. Mm. So that was, the sort of ter that was the sort of territory that I was you know, interested in. And actually, um, Roxana Silbert, who is one of my um, people that I, one of my mentors, one, one of, of the, the people, people who, world, who yes. I turned yeah. to, yeah. Um, read it and um, was really positive about yeah. it. And uh, we did some work on it with some actors. Yeah. And uh, it was really funny, actually, just in terms of, when it wasn't going to be done, I think it was the first play that I'd written that had not been produced. Um, and 
I, I'd lost, I think I just lost a bit of confidence, mm. you know, in no. myself and, know that you know, well. uh, that, that feeling. Yeah. Even even though, you know, you've kind of a few... Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah Doesn't exactly. matter. I'd know that really, yeah. really well. And um, I was just really thrilled and happy that, you know, she kind of yeah. believed it, believed in it and, you know... Um, yeah. I mean, she wasn't able to do it. And actually, I just thought to myself, you know... Maybe it's just come as far as it can go, and I've learnt a lot from the experience, and mm. it's been great to do the workshop. And maybe that's it. You know, it's just yeah. time to let it go, and that's yeah. fine. And so, I, I, as in my mind, that play was dead. It was done. It was yeah. over. I was working on other commissions, yeah. writing a film, writing a, a television series. You know, doing other things. And then I got a call in March from Lucy Morrison, who directed <laughs> Elephant. And she said, oh, um, we've, um, we've read your play. And I was like, I was making dinner for my children or something. <laughs> and she said, um, and we want to do it. And we want to do it downstairs. And I just, for about 10 minutes, just said, no, you, you don't. You don't want to do it. Stop <laughs> lying. You're not doing it. What? I was just in, sh just in absolute shock. So it's had quite a... It hasn't had the the usual yeah. route, but I suppose um, it's it's a story of you know you just do not know you just do not know once you put once you create something and you put something in the world into the world something will happen you know whether it's that whether or that leads you to something else something will happen there is some kind of um, momentum in the action of doing it. So, yeah, that's how it came to be here. But the time this goes out, we'll know how. <laughs> well, oh. I can't wait. Gapreet Corbati, thank you very, very, very oh, much thank indeed. thank you so much. So we have a thing. Are we going to do the thing? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've heard this with the... No. Uh, with the, um, so I have this thing which is um, uh, Nushka's uh, fat. Sorry, she's pushing them out of the way as is the right thing to do. Uh, Nushka. <laughs> is, that, is this an interview now? Yeah, no, no, there's Nushka's facts and questions. So you think that she's sitting doing her emails in the back of the room there, but actually yeah. what she's sometimes doing you're is checking facts. You're going to have to get a better joke because if you say that same line for every, every single time. No, it's just, it's just. You've said emails twice, so next time you can say looking on ASOS. All right, okay. Great. Look I'll give you watch. that one. Oh God, <laughs> he doesn't know what ASOS is. We were talking about ASOS today. Jesus. Jesus. Um, I genuinely don't know. All right, go on. Tell us. <laughs> Tell us the facts. Instagram. Ask us the questions. Uh, so, oh yeah. As you didn't have a bedtime, what did that mean? What time did you decide to go to bed? When the adults went to bed. I just wondered if, like, maybe you were like, I'm going to go to bed at 8pm because I want to. No. Or, no. It was too, very noisy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really interesting. Um, oh yeah. What was the club call that you were in when you got your first big break? <laughs> <laughs> Shakti. Oh, nice. And where yeah. was it? It was in Tufnell Park. Oh. It was like an Asian LGBT night. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Great. Uh, final question. Did you ever end up watching, seeing The Glass Menagerie? 
Oh, really? Great. Only exists in, my in mind, your head. Yeah. Great. That's I love incredible. that. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening to the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights podcast. If you'd like to listen to more, make sure you subscribe at royalcourttheatre.com or iTunes to get the next episode. You can purchase many of the plays discussed here via the bookshop, come in at Sloan Square, or on the website. Come to the theatre, come and have a look at the plays, come and have a look at the plays in the new season. The Playwrights podcast is brought to you by the Royal Court Theatre, presented by me, Simon Stevens, and produced by Anushka Warden and Emily Legg.